welcome to the Insolvency and Law podcast, providing specialist insolvency and debt-related advice for business owners and individuals. For more information on debt recovery, business restructuring, and personal and corporate insolvency, visit our website, www.insolvencyandlaw.co.uk or call us now on 020-7504-1300. Hello and welcome to the very first episode of Insolvency and Law Business Advice Show. I'm Peter Murray, Director of the award-winning British consultancy firm Insolvency and Law, which specialises in insolvency and debt-related solutions. Well, today, as part of our first episode, I'm going to share with you a little bit about myself uh, and what we do to help debtors and creditors here at Insolvency and Law. Alongside me, in the studio today is small business owner, Deborah David. Well, hello to you, Deborah. Hello, Peter. Before we go any further, can you tell me a little bit about why you decided to launch this podcast? Well, Deborah, admittedly, I've realised over the last 12 years of doing, bringing insolvency services into the mainstream marketplace of uh, these small business owners and medium-sized business owners and individual debtors, insolvents, mm-hmm. um, that they really are unaware or little informed about the insolvency regime and what is insolvency and the insolvency legislation and the rules and the, and the whole regime and the actual community of insolvency professionals um, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. all those who actually use insolvency services and I just really wanted to, you know, spell it out to them in a very clear, simple and concise way so that everyone can understand what Because as a small business is. owner, as a small business owner, I actually don't know the, the rules around insolvency. And, you know, if my company were to, you know, become insolvent, I wouldn't know where to start. So this is really interesting stuff. Yes, and like many other like many other business owners, uh, haven't got a clue with regards to insolvency. Mm-hmm. And but you know, Deborah, the the reality is, insolvency affects just about every person in this country in some way, shape, or form. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. During your working lifetime, you will be affected by insolvency, perhaps not once, twice, but maybe three or four times. So you know, it pays to have some. You know, at least a basic understanding of what mm-hmm. insolvency is and how you are affected and what you can do to sort of like limit any exposure to yourself or to advance and protect your interests. I, I, can, I can understand that because most people must feel they have little control in insolvencies because in most instances, the insolvency practitioner will take over the financial aspects of the procedure so are you saying business owners need to be more involved in the process? Almost oh, certainly. I mean, you only get out of something what you put into it. So, you know, if you want to get as much as you can from the insolvency procedure that is affecting you, then you need to engage with that process and actually put something into that process. Because if you don't, those who are engaging in that process, will they stand to benefit you know, largely uncontested from the uh, realisation of assets. And I should say, insolvency really is about the realisation of assets. When there is a statutory insolvency 
procedure uh, mm-hmm. in place. This is about the re- the realization of the insolvent person or the insolvent company's assets. Those assets are Pizza, realized. So can, you, can you dumb it down for me? So insolvency, ex- explain for those who don't know what, is insolvency break that down for me you know go real you know okay real so old school and break it insolvency can be determined by one or two ways or two ways when uh you are as an individual or namely a company uh it's an mm-hmm. inability to pay debts when debts become due so it's an inability right. to pay your debts when your mm-hmm. debts become due that is a definition of insolvency Another definition of insolvency is what we call the balance sheet insolvency test. It's whereby your your liabilities are much greater than your assets. So when your liabilities right. exceeds your assets, you're, you're what we call balance sheet insolvent. And uh, when you are unable to pay your, your debts as and when they fall due, is what we call mm-hmm. cash flow insolvent. Because you don't have the cash, right. the available cash to pay your debts as and when they fall due, your cash flow right. insolvent. Balance sheet insolvent is when right. your balance sheet, when you've got all your assets and your liabilities, when you weigh them up together, you, you end up with mm-hmm. more, more liabilities than assets, then you are balance sheet insolvent. And once right. you are insolvent, you know, the courts and the law expect you as an insolvent, whether you're an insolvent company or, or an insolvent individual, the courts mm-hmm. do expect, as an uh, insolvent, that you actually uh, you put your creditors' interests first, and you put their interests above your own interests. And all too often, insolvents you know tend to put their interests in a, above and beyond creditors, and uh, they will find the courts will come down very harshly on them for doing so. But yeah, in a nutshell, that is insolvency when your assets right. are exceeded by your liabilities or there's an mm-hmm. inability to pay debts when, when debts are due. And in that instance, once you are declared insolvent by the court mm-hmm. or, if you make, or, or if you voluntarily declare yourself insolvent, as you can do, mm-hmm. then um, a licensed insolvency practitioner is then appointed to take control of your assets and, you know, right. insolvency procedures, they are statutory procedures governed by law. It's governed by the 1986 Insolvency Act. The rules are the 20, the most recent rules are the 2016 insolvency rules, which helps to execute and, de- and deliver the act. And, you know, licensed insolvency practitioners are actually licensed by their license under the 1986 Insolvency Act. And their so you can't become insolvent. You can't become insolvent without an insolvency um, practitioner. Well, you couldn't. It's not a. Pro, it's not a process you could do by yourself as no, a. As a no, 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 no. You you could not enter into a statutory insolvency process uh, w- without having the appointment of an of a licensed insolvency practitioner, which. Uh, to, to begin with, um, usually it is the insolvent that sort of like goes seeking for an insolvency practitioner, uh, has mm-hmm. a couple of meetings with an insolvency practitioner and nominates that insolvency practitioner to be the licensed insolvency practitioner for that particular insolvency. Right. Uh, however, 95% of nominated insolvency practitioners tend to 
get the appointment that they have been nominated for. Uh, mm-hmm. And that is because creditors do not engage. Uh, because strictly speaking, it is the creditors whose job it is to mm-hmm. nominate and appoint the insolvency practitioner. I and, see. And it's the creditor's job who actually determine what the insolvency practitioner's remuneration should be. And mm-hmm. But if creditors don't engage, which they do not, if creditors do not engage, then uh, they won't get their choice of insolvency practitioner. And if they still don't engage, they won't get to decide how the insolvency practitioner will be remunerated from the job that they're doing. Because once the insolvency practitioner is actually appointed, the insolvency practitioner Mm -hmm. goes about realising the company's assets. Now, Mm -hmm. those assets, once once they are realised, they are actually realised for the benefit of creditors. Um, Mm -hmm. But all too often, creditors don't see the proceeds from those assets because those proceeds get swallowed up in in the expense of having the insolvency practitioner uh, in the first place. And so, um, and that's why we say creditors should engage in this process Mm -hmm. uh, so they Mm -hmm. can appoint an insolvency practitioner they want to work with. They can set, you know, reasonable remuneration terms for that insolvency practitioner and they can establish a, a committee for the creditors, in fact, to oversee what the insolvency practitioner is doing and to follow the strategy, the course of the actual um, insolvency itself. So there's a lot to do. Well, there's not a lot to do, but creditors mm-hmm. you know, should get involved because it does affect them. Yeah. If they get yeah. involved, they can appoint their own insolvency practitioner, set the, mm-hmm. set the fees to be paid to the insolvency practitioner and mm-hmm. you know they can look forward to getting back some a decent return from what they have lost as a result of you know trading with or dealing with the insolvent before they before right. they were declared insolvent i understand that 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 makes sense actually because when you you look at it from you know that's the standpoint of a, a business if you don't know all of this you know you really can sort of fall into to deep waters and you know what you're saying is irrespective of whether you're a creditor or a debtor uh, in a statutory insolvency procedure you need to keep an eye on the practitioner so it's a good idea to have a, a you know some form of knowledge of what's going ahead yeah certainly I mean you know you know if I was say a creditor a supplier and I supplied a company and this company owed me money uh, and unable to pay and this company says to me by the way I'm going into a statutory insolvency procedure that may be a creditor's voluntary liquidation um, or in, you know it may well be administration um, mm-hmm. I'd say well thank you very much for informing me about that but you owe me money so I now need to be engaged in that process I now need to satisfy myself that the insolvency practitioner that you have nominated will be working in my interest, for my interest, and not yours. Mm -hmm. And in fact, the better way to do this would be to just reject Mm -hmm. the insolvency practitioner put forward by, nominated by the insolvent, and Mm -hmm. propose and, you know, discuss amongst the other creditors, engage with Mm -hmm. other 
creditors and collectively we put forward our own insolvency practitioner. And that's mm-hmm. well, that will always be the better way forward because then, you know, you are engaged because you've appointed that insolvency practitioner and you've set the insolvency practitioner's um, remuneration terms. And, you know, mm-hmm. you will be more engaged because you've taken control of the proceedings. You've taken it away from the insolvent. I'm, I'm a great believer that the insolvent, once they've been made insolvent, should have no further influence or should not be able to direct the course of the insolvency. The yeah, mm-hmm. and normally that starts with their choice of insolvency practitioner. No, you sh- it shouldn't be your choice of, insolv- of insolvency practitioner. It should be the choices of the creditors who, it should be the choice of the creditor, I should say, who the insolvency mm-hmm. practitioner or practitioners are. Ah, oh, okay. So would you, as, as creditors, can you get together and have one insolvency practitioner working on behalf of all of you? Yes, and, and, and the general idea is uh, you, you, you have some creditors who want to engage in the process mm-hmm. because they see there's a benefit of engaging. And they think, you know, by, them in, by creditors engaging, it may mean that the directors or director may not engage in that process because the creditors have shown that they are actively interested uh, mm-hmm. in the insolvency proceedings. Um, but usually, you know, you contact all the other creditors. Um, you all want to be seen on the same hymn sheet. How, how would I find the other creditors? So say I'm, I'm trying to, you know, um, get uh, my um, needs met by the person that, you know, by the insolvent. And so I'm looking for the other creditors. How would I find them? Okay, because... Once an insolvent, when I say insolvent, I make reference to individuals and also limited companies. Uh, Once Mm -hmm. an insolvent enters into a statutory insolvency proceeding or or just before they enter into one um, or after in the case of administration, the insolvency practitioner circulates a letter or notice of the insolvency to all mm-hmm. known creditors. With that notice should come a statement of affairs setting out what the company's affairs are as at the date of insolvency to present date. And also uh, with that statement of affairs comes with it a list of the company's creditors. And that list sets out the names and addresses of the creditors and how much those creditors are and how much those creditors are owed. And those right. creditors will be the unsecured creditors. And so that's how creditors get to know who the, who the other creditors are in a particular insolvency because they all would have received a notice of the insolvency and they all would have received the, shed, the list of creditors. I understand. And from okay, that so creditors that, list... That, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, from that creditors list, you know, if you're going to be proactive... You know, you just contact the creditors on that list because you've, you've, you've both got the similar story, haven't you? You've both lost mm-hmm. money to this company and you both want mm-hmm. to see how best you can protect your interest in the insolvency. Of course. I see. I understand. So that that's clearer to me now. I, I understand that. But, you know, before we started having this conversation, I wouldn't have known that. Yeah. Um, 
So can you explain how insolvency in law works for both the debtors and the creditors in uh, statutory and um, informal insolvency procedures? Well, in the case of a statutory insolvency procedure, let's take the instance of a bankrupt. Um, you know, um, uh, or someone is considering whether they should, you know, make themselves bankrupt or not. And because there's, there's because there's such a stigma around bankruptcy from the, you know, from the eighties into the nineties, um, you, mm-hmm. know, you know, some insolvents, you know, would do anything to avoid bankruptcy. But sometimes bankruptcy can be very good, um, you know, especially you know if you get you know if you are if you if you, if you own your own home, there are instances mm-hmm. where you can get to keep your family home, uh, you know, your job, uh, mm-hmm. everything's intact. Um, other than you know you know you are you are unable to access credit, and you you know you should you know let people know any prospective lender know if they're going to lend you money that you are an undischarged bankrupt. When you're bankrupt, of course, you made bank, you know, you are bankrupt for one year, providing you, you know, be a good bankrupt. You get discharged off you get discharged after 12 months. But So what would you consider a good bankrupt? Because I mean, as you said, you know, there's quite a stigma attached to it. So what would you consider a good bankrupt? Well, a good bankrupt is someone that's going to be honest to the uh, trustee in bankruptcy. They're going to disclose details of all they've of all their financial dealings, all their assets, all their liabilities, they will be cooperative to the trustee, uh, you know, for so that for the benefit of creditors, so that you know assets in the bankrupt's name can be realised for the best possible value for the benefit of creditors. But look, you know, sometimes you can be made bankrupt, and you've and you've got no assets, and so and and so therefore, you know. Don't be shy. If you've got huge debts and no assets, make yourself bankrupt. Mm-hmm. You know, um, in twelve months from now, twelve months mm-hmm. from now, you know, you you know, you you should be discharged from being a bankrupt, mm-hmm. and you're free to mm-hmm. continue your life. You know, when you're made bankrupt, life doesn't stop just because you're made bankrupt. Life does continue. Yeah, life does continue. Uh, you may because it does. It does seem that way. It does seem that you know, you, you know, you made bankrupt, and then that's the end of it. You know, so that's you washed up. You know, without you you explaining this and uh, making it clear, because people don't know that they they feel that you know I'm bankrupt now, and that's the end of of me. So no, no, no. you can't carry on. Is it what about insolvent? If you're made insolvent, can you then start again? Yeah. So again, you know, once if you're made bankrupt, it's because you are insolvent. And so you are made bankrupt, and after twelve months, you can, you know, you know, you can start, you can set up another business, set up another company. As a bankrupt, you cannot be a director in a limited company if you are a bankrupt. I know you can't be an MP, you can't be a lawyer, you can't be an accountant. There are certain professions which will exclude you from practicing uh, if you are an undischarged bankrupt. But once you are discharged, you're fine. And look, mm-hmm. you're probably talking about one percent of of, uh, of uh, professions will exclude you if you are mm-hmm. an undischarged bankrupt. So you know, there's another ninety nine percent of professions that will welcome <laughs> you with, with open arms. But yeah, you know, there's still bank- somewhere for you to go. There is indeed. Yeah, bankruptcy <laughs> bank- bankruptcy doesn't have to be a daunting experience. 
um, mm-hmm. especially if you've got no assets. And again, if you've got assets, you know, again, you know, there are representations you can make to your trustee in bankruptcy. There's also a licensed insolvency practitioner, your trustee mm-hmm. in bankruptcy. Uh, you know, you can make certain rep- representations to your trustee in bankruptcy. And, you know, mm-hmm. it may be possible for you to buy certain assets back, you know, out of the bankruptcy estate. Okay. Um, so it doesn't have to be all doom and gloom, but sometimes, mm-hmm. frankly, it is. Um, but we, one of the services that we provide is to, uh, we advise you along the way, consult with you, and, uh, mm-hmm. you know, so you are fully informed, so you are able to take the best dis- decisions for your given particular circumstance. So walk me through what you would undertake so you know you have different you have different uh, service levels that you give so walk me through what the, the service levels are well i think we've got something like 30 or different services right and they're about 15 of they're about equal about 15 16 services for creditors mm-hmm. uh mm-hmm. who are usually suppliers of goods and services as uh, small medium and large size uh, creditors mm-hmm. uh, yeah and then we have uh debtors who you know they are indebted you know in some way shape or form or you have directors who are facing adverse legal proceedings emanating from an insolvency usually mm-hmm. um so we have a portfolio of services uh to suit creditors and to suit debtors and it really does depend on the type of insolvency that they are facing or the type mm-hmm. of insolvency proceedings that they are currently in. Um, but, you know, we offer, you know, a fully comprehensive service for uh, debtors, creditors and directors who are facing various different types of insolvency challenges and threats. Fantastic. That's good to know. Very good to know, Peter, what insolvency in law actually offers. And, you know, people can come to you. You, you know, do you give a, a, a preliminary? So you you have, um, I can come to you for a consultation is the word I was looking for. Yeah. Prior to to um, my proceedings, you know, I become insolvent and I'm coming to you and I, and, you know, you'll give me a consultation on what I would need to do, how I would need to work, you know, and you would walk me through the process as somebody, you know, completely unaware of the situation or knowing what to do yes that's right we would i mean you will make contact with us you will tell us what your situation Mm is we will listen very attentively we will take down as much details as we possibly can and we will then go on to advise you and that's initial advice and then you you then have a choice you know what to do Mm -hmm. you may come back and say look i'd like to retain your services and Mm -hmm. You know the advice you've given me—that was that was fantastic. I now want to retain your services, and should you do that, we will um, agree what the service, the, the actual scope of the service. Uh, we will a, a, agree a fixed fee with yourself, and we will then provide the service. But you're, there, there's no obligation; you're not committed. You can withdraw from the service at any time, and it is a service for you as the debtor, or you as a creditor, or you as the director of a company that is a subject of an insolvency proceeding. Taking the, the discussion in a, in a slightly different direction, 
Um, you released uh, an autobiography called Self Made in, in 2019. And you're about to release a pair of books about the insolvency regime. Can you tell us about, about that and, and when you're ready to, re- when they're due to release these books? Yes, well, um, we have, uh, I've written two books, one for, two books on insolvency, one book uh, targets specifically creditors and suppliers, and the other book targets specifically debtors and directors of insolvent entities. And I found that individuals are unaware, ill-informed, have no information uh, about the insolvency regime in this country, about the mm-hmm. insolvency processes. And like I said earlier on, now you're probably going to be affected by insolvency once, twice, three, or even four times during, during the course of your adult life. And so mm-hmm. uh, it makes sense, you know, to just have some basic knowledge, basic understanding of what insolvency is, how it works, how you mm-hmm. can protect your interests, how you can advance your interests, and just how you can get the best use out of insolvency services whenever you have to, um, whenever you have to use them. And so the, those two books spells out in clear layman's terms um, mm-hmm. how to how to get the best out of any given insolvency situation for debtors and directors. There's one book, and for suppliers mm-hmm. and creditors, I've written another, another. book. Yeah. So all bases are covered. That's brilliant, Indeed, indeed, indeed. Yeah. And those books, um, those two books, um, will be available uh, on Amazon and in leading bookstores from the end of September 2020. Fantastic. Well, Peter, I have to say, it's been a really informative session. I've learned a lot, and I'm sure everyone listening has as well. So... um, I look forward to us doing our next episode and informing um, everybody on exactly what they need to know when it comes to insolvency and bankruptcy and, you know, debtors, creditors and everything in between. So thank you so much, Peter. It's been fantastic. Thank you very much, Deborah. See you next week. See you next week. Thank you for listening to the Insolvency and Law podcast. If you require additional guidance on any of the topics we covered today, visit the Resource Centre at our website, www.insolvencyandlaw.co.uk or call us now on 020 7504 1300.